and uh, turn with me to the book of Jonah. Book of Jonah. I don't know whether I'd be true in saying that this is probably one of the most well-known narratives or well-known stories, uh, both churched and unchurched. I think almost everybody's heard of Jonah. <laughs> and uh, and that's, that was a truth I was sharing before. Um, the mound of, of churches, not church, well, yeah, churches too, um, Bible teaching institutes, um, allowing themselves to be turned towards liberal thinking, challenging the truths of Scripture, trying to apply reason to things that, that can only be understood by faith. right? And uh, that's the world that we live in. Um, that's my age group, um, what they're accepting as normal. And it really is a, a uh, concerning thing today. So the book of Jonah, uh, let me pray, and then we'll, we'll begin. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time where we can just open your word, Lord, and uh, just look into, into your truths, your scriptures, and just catch a glimpse of you. Lord, you've, you've never been silent ever since creation, and I'm so thankful for that. And even, even this morning, Lord, and as Jesus walked and talked with mankind, Lord, he promised to send a helper, Lord, a comforter, someone who would help us understand these truths, um, even in our Gentile state, Lord. And I'm so thankful for that, Lord. My request this morning would be that your spirit would move in our presence, that you would use me, Lord, to explain, to look at these truths. Lord, we can't cover this whole book, and I know you don't expect us to. Lord, that's why we read it at home. I pray that you would just help me as a shepherd to lead us Lead us in the direction that you have for this church this morning and that we would leave through these doors with a, a renewed passion, uh, maybe an awakening, Lord, and for all of us, at least a reminder of what you call us to do for your kingdom. We just pray these things in your precious name. Amen. So with the book of Jonah in front of us, I'm going to ask the question this morning. When you, when you read through these four chapters of Jonah this week, and, and even if you didn't have a chance to this week, when you, when you read the book of Jonah, how do you read it? It's a simple, simple enough question, but how, how do you read the book of Jonah? Do you, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, okay, there we go, now we got it. <laughs> they, they got things anyway. Um, how do you read the story of Jonah? I, I made mention it earlier there, there's four chapters, there's 1,082 words, but do you read it as if it's a story unfolding in front of you? Right? Do, you do you read it and you picture um, Jonah and the word of the Lord coming to Jonah and him being sent and him purchasing the ticket and heading for Joppa and getting on the boat and in the storm? Do you, do you picture it almost as if it's a tale being told? Do you approach it as if it's entertainment? Right, you're looking for something good to read and, and, and you open it up and oh yeah, here's the, I, I know this story and you're, you're reading it and it's like, oh, I'm right there with him. Oh, it's, it's, do you read it as a book? Right, just something there that you're going to take some, some different thoughts from. And I, I know I've always read it that way. I mean, it, 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 
in many different ways I can relate as if I'm right there with him, right? In the, in the whale, in that state of repentance, in that place of darkness with the seaweed wrapped around his, his head and, and going down to the depths of things that we can't even imagine. But when you pause and think, a little common sense tells us that Jonah wasn't writing this book as it was happening, right? A little common sense tells us that he... You know, as the storm was going on the boat there, he wasn't taking notes as to what he was going through, right? Or as they were throwing out over, or as that big fish come and swallowed him, he wasn't like, hold on a second, God, I don't have my parchment and pen, right? A little common sense tells us that. So the question I'll ask this morning, second one, is do we read it or do you read it as it's written? Do you read the book of Jonah as it's written? Can you picture and I, I'm not sure whether the map is the next one there, can you picture Jonah walking back from Nineveh after these four chapters had happened? We know Nineveh is in the country of Assyria. Can you, can you picture Jonah walking back from the, the, the city of Nineveh, which had been, and I, I put in my notes bold, because it had been enemy territory. As you, you know, if you've read this, um, chapter 3 is all about complete repentance. 120,000 of that city, sackcloth, believing God, turning, turning to Him, right? It had been an enemy territory, and you can just picture Jonah walking back going, what just happened? Right? It had been an enemy territory. Can you picture Jonah walking back from Nineveh, country of Assyria, um, which, which had been with wicked people. Right? I remember Dr. Doherty's class, and you maybe remember um, when it comes to the Assyrians, Dr. Doherty goes, do not research who the Assyrians were. Right? Don't, don't look into their history and what they used to do. And I'm sitting there as a, uh, a male, I guess you could see. I'm like, well, you know, I've got to look it up now. And, and five years later, I actually found an article about it. I mean, these people that God sent Jonah with the gospel... Right, the good news. He, he sent them to these people who were so wicked that they used to, as the, the Assyrian Empire went through, they used to have their wars, and afterwards they would skin their victims and they would hang it on the city walls right, to, to put fear into the, the, the enemies. Right? And they would take off appendages and, and the, the body count of the enemy, they would take the heads and put them on pikes for the, and I'm going to say the, the women and children that were left to look at. That's how barbaric and wicked these people were. And, and, and can you picture Jonah walking back, and, and we've read chapter 4 of why he had such a hard time with God showing grace to these people. He had that preconceived idea, and I'd love to preach a message on that, but we can't get there this morning. <laughs> but you can picture Jonah walking back with a, a city that, that had been enemy territory, that had been wicked, they were starting that journey after repentance to, to, to walking with God. You picture Jonah walking back to his home, thinking through what he just witnessed with the people of Nineveh who had been without salvation. Right? They, they had been enemies, they had been wicked and they had been without salvation. And that's a lot to think about as he made his journey back. 
Can you picture Jonah walking back to his home in Israel, which was up in the tribe of Zebulon? And we'll just do a little, little bit of context as we go. Zebulon was in the top part of Israel, um, which is, is Galilee region in Jesus' time. The Bible tells us that uh, Jonah, and we'll see that in a second, was from Gath Hefer, which was, if not the same town as Nazareth in Jesus' time, it was very close to it. Neat connection. Um, can you picture Jonah walking back thinking about the spiritual journey of faith he had just been on? Right? Just a quick recap. Right? Jonah chapter 1, God, the Word of God comes and we see Jonah uh, with that spiritual struggle. Right? We see him fleeing from the presence of the Lord. That's not physical. Right? Verse 3 of chapter 1, Jonah. He's fleeing from the presence of that Lord. That, that is a heart that is a spiritual struggle. Right? As he's running from God, I would classify that, because even in my own life, I classify that as a spiritual failure. Right? He makes that choice. We see that spiritual struggle, spiritual failure, and, and we want to, and sometimes we don't want to, as we put it, there's rebellion in this man's life. That's Jonah chapter 1, and he's thinking as he's making his way back to Israel back to Gath Heifer, back to, the, back to his hometown, thinking through what happened in chapter 1. Chapter 2, we, we know at the end of chapter 1, he's swallowed, God sends a, a big fish, and he's swallowed, and we see a beautiful, beautiful, and we'll call it a, a repentant psalm here. Right? He knows why he's in the fish. Right? We know that, that God is, is the one because of His great love is chastising and discipline and bringing Him to that place because there's broken fellowship to repent. Right? And in repentance, there's restoration. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful picture here. Chapter 3. Can you picture Jonah walking back thinking about his ministry in Nineveh? Right? You've got sin... You've got repentance, you've got restoration, fellowship is restored. Now God can use him. Right? Now you see the Spirit leading him. I mean, it wasn't really much of a profound message <laughs> that God gave him. But when God is moving in the hearts of people, especially in the messenger's heart, right? it's a, a powerful thing that, that can't even be imagined. It's in chapter 3 we see the Spirit lead. God use him. I call this ministry. I call this ministry. And we see people are saved. And you can picture Jonah walking back just thinking as oftentimes even our own ministries. What on earth just happened? Right? Somebody comes to Christ in the most unique way or somebody comes back to the Lord in such an a unforeseen manner and you're like, Lord, I'm so thankful that you could use me in this, but I didn't see that coming. Right? Jonah's thought process coming back. And then chapter 4. Chapter 4, it's, it's one that I think most of us, we just close our, our Bibles and we don't, don't read chapter 4 because it's not a, a beautiful picture. Chapter 4, we see sin knocking at the door of Jonah. And then we get, once again see that cycle. Sin, spiritual struggle, spiritual failure. And that's kind of where we're left at in chapter 4, verse 9 to 11, where it says, Then God said to Jonah, 
Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And, and I encourage you to read that. And he said, is it, right? it is right for me to be angry even to death. But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. God says, and should I not pity Nineveh? that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock. Would have been a, quite the walk back home, wouldn't it? Right? Thinking through what just happened in those, those four chapters in that spiritual journey of faith really, really started settling in on my heart this week. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 37, um, after it talks about some of our, our faithful witnesses that have gone before us being sawn in two, the next two words, it says, and some were tempted. Right? Some were tempted. That's Hebrews 11:37, And that word in the Greek means to be examined, um, scrutinized. That's not a word that we use very often, is it? Right? Their, their faith was scrutinized. God was scrutinizing the faith of Jonah to see if it was real. To see if it was real. Can you picture, and uh, I promise I'll only make it, mention that too much, can you picture, and I am a bit of a visual person, Jonah walking home realizing that God's eye had just looked on what Jonah truly believed. Right? Jonah chapter 1. What Jonah truly believed, not just what came out of his mouth, because we get good at that. Can you imagine Jonah realizing that you cannot hide what's inside and what is not? Again, I put in my notes, this probably was a long trip home. Jonah could say that he had faith, but when the scrutiny came, we know what he did. We know what he did. Can you picture... What went through Jonah's mind, and this is where we'll, we'll kind of take our stand this morning. What went through Jonah's mind when God spoke as Jonah got home and told Jonah <clears throat> to write this book, these four chapters of his spiritual journey for Israel to read. This is a book about his, his, his spiritual journey of faith. To write these four chapters for, for Israel to read, for the church the early church to read, for us to read today, it only happened or only think that he was probably hoping that all this would just go away. He was probably hoping that all this would just go away. Jonah had to realize that he answered to God. He had to realize that God had given him a command and that Christ's salvation, God's grace was for all men, not just for the Jews. Israel had to realize, and that's, that's who this book is, is written to, to the, the Jew of that day and for us um, who, who was to come. Israel had to realize that they answered to God. God had given them commands and that God's plan of salvation, looking forward to Christ who would pay that price for sin, that was for all men. Sometimes we forget that the Gentile is formed just like the Jew was with eternity in their hearts. Sometimes we forget that in our, our lessons. God's grace was to be extended to the Gentile. God still manifested Himself through creation. right? Even the Godhead to the Gentile. That's Romans chapter 1. 
right? And God's message doesn't change. As, as Israel came into Canaan, they were bearing witness of who God was. God's standard. You do a, a study in, in that any city that surrendered right, and turned to God, they were to be spared. We forget about that sometimes. And here we see, and again, I can't get into that, but Jonah was of that mindset. Israel was on that mindset. And this book is opening the eyes of Israel that, that God is God and His plan is that all may come to repentance. For us this morning, we need to realize that we answer to God. We answer to God. God has given us commands and that Christ's salvation, our very purpose in God's kingdom is God using us to reach the souls of men. The commission of Christ. We need to recognize that this morning. Jonah writes this book. He writes it out of what his faith looked like for all to see in the same way, our lives will be played out for all to see. And that humbled me huge this week. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we can't, can't get away from that thought. Jonah is, is made his way, um, and he's writing this for Israel. He's writing this. This is a very transparent, I use the word raw in my mind, Right? This, this would have hurt Jonah as he's, he's writing it out, as God has him recording this. And it's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13 to 16. Jonah writes out what his faith looked like in that spiritual journey God had him on, the same way our lives will be played out for all to see. 1 Corinthians 3.13 says, Each one's work will become clear. <laughs> it's going to be played out. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. I bet you Jonah wished he had remembered that before he ran to Tarshish. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Verse 16, Do you... This morning, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Turn the page, chapter 4, verse 5. Jonah writes out what his faith looked like. Our, our faith, our lives of faith, what we, what we allow God to lead us in in His kingdom. Verse 5 says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. That's in our lives. That's in our hearts. That's, that's the things that no one else knows about uh, between, other than myself and God. The hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. That can go good <laughs> if you're living by faith and living by obedience. Or that's going to be a heartbreaking thing as you watch some of the things for some of us, many things in our lives be burned in the fire. There is a book, there is a recording, there is an account being written about your faith and what that looks like. Think with me this morning. It involves your faith decisions. 
It involves your desire for the things of Christ. It involves Christ being your first love. Your faith this morning is not just being looked or watched by those around you. Your faith this morning, and and I can picture Jonah as he's writing this, realizing your faith is not just being watched by the community that's around you. It's being watched by the Holy Spirit, by God who dwells within you. And your faith and what your life of faith looks like is being watched by Him who sits on the throne. Jonah had to write down what his faith looked like here in this journey. What does your faith look like now? Pause and think about that. What does, not, not I have faith, not that I understand what faith is, not, not even I'm living by faith. What does your faith look like now? Because your obedience to the Word of God your obedience to what God has called you to, what God has, is, is wanting to lead you in, your obedience to the Word of God now will determine what's your faith <laughs> as it's being played out for all to see, as it's going and testing by the fire, what it will look like then. Your obedience to the Word now will determine what it looks like then. None of us should be comfortable with that thought. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a tighten things up. None of us should be comfortable with that thought. What is this book about? You can picture I had a, a quiet week. <laughs> that's a lot to think about. That's a, that's a lot of, of, I need to do more. Right? If, if my spiritual relationship is where it is there, I'm not talking more things. I need to be more intentional, more sensitive to what God wants to do through me. What is this book of Jonah about? I wrote in my notes, I'm glad it's not about Jonah. (laughs) This book isn't about Jonah. It's about God. You read through it. Read through it this afternoon. It only takes you 15, 20 minutes. It's about God. It's about God's love and desire that all come to repentance. He's not desiring anybody to go to hell as much as some of the different doctrines are that are floating around today. God desires that all come to repentance. This book is about salvation, right? Getting to that place of understanding, okay, I've done wrong, right? God, I've separated myself from you. Repentance, knowing that when I ask for forgiveness, that sin is forgiven and I'm restored. It's looking forward to Christ's. This book is about our spiritual walk with God. Right? And, and I, I, I'm sure if we're all honest, we, we found ourselves in the same footsteps as Jonah at, at one point or another. And if we haven't, well, God bless you. But you know somebody who has. Right? It's about our spiritual walk with God. It's about the believer's commission to be used in God's saving program. Right? Don't forget that. This isn't your own personal walk with God. You're, one of your, your main purposes of being saved into the kingdom of God and having that spiritual life is to be used and reach out with the Gospel to those that God is bringing into your path. God is, is desiring to use you in the soul-saving program. So this morning... 
Let's park into verse 1 to 3 just for a couple minutes just to show you that I have done my homework um, this week. And uh, yeah, verses 1 to 3 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness, and we visited that, their wickedness has come up before me. What does Jonah do? Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down to it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. We need to look at these first three verses just to understand what is taking place, why the early church in Hebrews needed the example of the prophets they the example of Jonah, which is a well-known, I mean, if Jesus was using his name, you knew the early church was, was very familiar with Jonah. Why they needed to understand that their faith is, is being examined. God is watching. You will answer for that life of faith when you stand before him. Now the, faith, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. And we as students of the word recognize um, that we know next to nothing about Jonah's life prior to his rebellion. Next to nothing. And there's probably a reason for that. Because the focal point of these four chapters is not Jonah, but it's on God. It's on the Word of God. It's on God's message to Nineveh, and it's on God's message to Israel that it's not just about you. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 14. First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. Okay, there we go. Second Kings, chapter fourteen. Kind of a neat. And again, I know I'm blessed. I get to sit in my study and read my big books and make these connections, and, and I get so excited. But 2 Kings chapter 14, beginning in verse 23, says, In the fifteenth year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of jo Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, that would be Jeroboam II, king of Israel, became king in Samaria and reigned forty-one years. And here's a familiar, And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. If you're taking notes, turn back to 1 Kings 11 on your own, on your own time. That's uh, one of the officers of, of Solomon's who took the throne after Solomon died. Um, he caused Israel to do horrible, horrible things. But it's in verse 25, Jeroboam II, even though he did evil in the sight of the Lord, he restored the territory of Israel, from the entrance of Hamath to the Sea of Arabia, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which He had spoken through His servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-hefer. Right? Jonah chapter 1 was not the first time that the word of God had come to Jonah. Right? It was not the first time the word of God had come to Jonah. That's a, that's a pretty big thing. When you think about it and you start doing your research, just with your, your pages open, we don't know how old Jonah is here. Right? We, we don't know. Young, younger or older. But when you, you start doing the, the timeline, and regardless of how old 
uh, Jonah was, Jonah would have known who Elisha was. Okay, we know that name. All right? Read with me in uh, 2 Kings while you're there. Verse 13, chapter 13, verse 20. This is 20 years prior to the king of Jeroboam's reign. This is 20 years prior. 2 Kings 13.20 says, Then Elisha died, and they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. And again, I encourage you to, to go back and read through the life of Elisha. But Jonah knew who Elisha was. You see how God continually sends messengers for the people of, of Israel, the people of Judah. Jonah knew who Elisha was. I mean, in my math, and again, there I'm a very literal person. If Jonah was 40, it's quite possible that Elisha could have attended one of the schools for the sons of prophets that Elijah had started. Right Now, we don't know that for sure, but, but we know that there are schools of prophets. Jonah was a prophet. It's a possibility. But when I think of Jonah chapter 1, when the word, now the word of the Lord came, the big thing that came to me was Jonah was without excuse. Jonah knew what was supposed to happen when the word of God came to him. He was without excuse. Jonah knew what was expected when the Holy Spirit spoke. Jonah knew his next move was, was supposed to be obey, not flee to Tarshish. He knew that when the Word of God came to him, there was no excuse. And that is how a spiritual nation is built. Right? All through history. Word of God speaks through a messenger, a prophet, or God places Himself before them. God speaks and the nation is supposed to obey. That's how a spiritual nation is built. That's how a spiritual nation grows. God speaks and the people listen and they're led. Right? That's how a, a, a God leads His spiritual nation. And that's what God has wanted to do with the nation of Israel ever since the day one when, when He chose Abraham and that nation and gave Him that blessing. But don't miss that this morning. That's how God builds His church. God God speaks. Right? And we obey. That's how He builds His church. That's how He grows His church. And not numerically. That's how He, he takes those that are surrendered and God speaks through His Word. As the Holy Spirit allows us to understand this and we gather and we study it. That's how He grows His church. God speaks and that's how He leads his church. And it's this morning with the Word of God open before us that we have no excuses this morning. Right? If anything, we have way more than what Jonah had because we have the Spirit dwelling within us. We have the Bible that is, that is, that is understandable, that is freely there for each of us. We have no excuses this morning. And when we read Jonah... Chapter 1. And I didn't put a sticky note in it. When we read chapter 1, it really should hit home. Because that is, it says, Now the word of the Lord came. We have the word of God before us this morning. When we read verses 1 and 2, and it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. 
We are without excuse because we have Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit, doing what? Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded. Jonah's without excuse. We this morning are without excuse. Our, our silence, if we are silent, is going to be played out one day. Verse 2, Jonah's called to arise. That gives us an example of what's supposed to happen when we understand that God is speaking. We're called to arise. We're called to wake up. We're called to get up. Because we've been given our own commission. Question this morning, what does evangelism look like in your life? It's got to have a face. You've got to be able to, if you were asked, you've got to be able to, to write down at least one thing that God is leading you in that is taking that gospel message that Christ came. He died. He was buried. He rose again. That's where our, our salvation, our spiritual life comes from. And when you make Him Lord and Master of your life, you step into that eternal life, that spiritual life, that alive life. What does evangelism look like in your life? You pause and think. That's not just the, for the Jonas of the Bible. Right? It's not just for the Jonas of the Bible. It's not just for the Derek Joneses of Fredericton. Right? He's got burning passion for reaching souls. It's not just for the Johnnies of the Dominican. What does evangelism look like in your life? What, what are your conversations at work about? What are your conversations at the store about? Grocery shopping. What are you talking about when God is bringing people into your life? What is it that excites you? Verse 2, we have Israel. Jonah there is being called to arise and go to a, a different country. This time frame, we know Israel's doing good. King Jeroboam II there, um, was doing very well for the country. They were very prosperous, not in a very good way. Jeroboam had just finished a war with the king of Judah, took him hostage. Israel there was prospering um, wealth-wise because he'd just cleaned out the Lord's house of all the treasures. Out the king, cleaned out the king's treasuries. I mean, Israel was loaded now at Judah's expense, but they were spiritually not just in trouble. They were spiritually dead. How do I know this? Hosea is written at the same time. And that's where we're reading for next week's sermon. Right? They were doing well, prospering financially, but spiritually they were done. Jonah is found, and, and, and Jonah is found in the position where he's being called to get up. Arise. Arise. Get up. Jonah is found in the, the same position as many of us, both physically and spiritually, when it comes to our walk with God. Things are comfortable. Things are going well. Now he, 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 He's a prophet to, to King Jeroboam II. And again, they're doing well financially, but spiritually, it's deplorable. Right? And I won't use those words this morning that um, Hosea uses. Jonah is found sitting, complacent, stagnant, dormant, 
And this picture is most likely talking about his faith. He's being called to get a ride, to arise. And how do I know that he was dormant, comfortable in his walk with God and complacent? Because of what he does next. God calls him to get up, and what does what do we find him doing in verse three? Fleeing from the presence of the Lord. A heart that's right with God does not do that. Right? And God calls us to some very difficult things. What is under the surface in your life will always be seen. Remember that. What is under the surface in your life will always be seen. What this man truly believed, right? not just, just the words that were being spoken, what this man truly believed was shown by what he did. was shown by his life of faith. I don't want to get too hard on this guy because this, this life of faith is not an easy thing, is it? Right? It's a constant surrender and submission and, and it's a, wow, I, I failed on that one there. It's a quick to repent, right? And let's contrast this. And I'll probably, I'll end there. If we contrast this with the spiritual man, anyone with any kind of functioning spiritual relationship with God, anyone with any kind of functioning spiritual relationship with God will be not found fleeing from God's presence. They'll be, find, they'll be found in the house of God. Right? Anyone with any kind of, of, of functioning spiritual relationship with God and fellowship with God will be found doing the things of God. Not fleeing from God's presence. Anyone with any kind of functioning spiritual relationship with God will be found hungry for more of God. Seeking to know more about God. Serving in the things of God. Not fleeing from the presence. Joel Demergent, you remember, and we're going back a couple weeks now, he, he said it this way, a spiritually alive Christian couldn't do anything else. You remember the tears, right? Like, like you understand what Christ did for you? Someone who is working and living in that spiritual relationship with Christ and, and He's leading you, you couldn't picture doing anything else. Put in my notes, how has that changed you the last three weeks? The Word of God came. We read it. Romans chapter 3. The messenger spoke. How has your life changed? How has that burdened you? The commission of Christ. Jonah isn't interested in discovering more of God. Jonah isn't interested in what God wants to do with his life. Jonah isn't even interested in more words from God. We see that. He's on a boat. He's headed the opposite direction and he's sleeping. And almost picture, God, I don't want to hear anymore. He flees from God's presence and you're never going to be concerned with the souls of men when you're fleeing from God's presence. You'll never be concerned with taking the Gospel when you're not spending time in God's presence you're never going to be concerned with the ministry of Christ if you're not spending time in God's presence. Jonah somewhere along the line forgot that his role as a messenger was to take God's message. 
Somewhere along the line, he forgot that his role as a messenger was to take God's message. Jonah, somewhere along the line, forgot that he was going to have to answer for saying no to God. He forgot that. (laughs) He forgot that as he was purchasing his ticket there, that he's going to have to stand before God and explain why he did what he did. Jonah, somewhere along the line, forgot that he would die someday and have to stand face to face with the one who saved him and say, thank you for the salvation that you gave me. Thank you for the salvation. And show Jesus what he did for God's kingdom. He forgot about that. I couldn't think of any... Anyway, I wrote it down and I made sure I didn't look at it there. And it may be a little rough, but sometimes I'm rough on myself. Folks, this morning at Coldstream Baptist Church, I as pastor know who's already left for Nineveh with the Gospel. I know who, and that's a good thing, I know who's already plugged in and, and is burdened for taking the Gospel to, uh, of Christ to, to the community their relationships, the people around them. I I know, it's obvious. It's the things that they talk about. It's the things that they're excited about. It's the things that they're plugged into. But some this morning need to sell your tickets for Tarshish. Just sell them. And arise to the things of the kingdom today that God has called us to because there is an account being recorded of this life, of what your life of faith looks like that will be played out one day. And this is where my job as a pastor comes in. If you don't know what that looks like in your life, (laughs) come talk to me. Pray about it and come talk to me. God wants to use you to take the gospel to the lost. Heavenly Father, Lord, we know there's so much to work, work to do in your kingdom. We're so thankful that we don't do it on our own. We're thankful that you're patient with us, but Lord, that patience has its... Well, I'm not even going to say it. Lord, we know that we will stand before you one day And I pray that even as we consider these things and we look at Hosea next week, that's another point-blank message that we need to wake up that this life does have an end. Lord, our loved ones, our friends, our families, Lord, if they don't know You, there is an outcome. And I just pray that we would gather together as a church family, unified in, in taking the Gospel out through these doors. Whatever shape, form there that looks like there, lead us in it. But Lord, I pray that you would ignite a passion, passion for it. And even as, as I think of how you've worked this past year and a half, my, my precious time with, with the church family in this community, Lord, we see you at work. And you could do so much more. I pray that we never get busy and forget to be sensitive. And that's to your leading. Just pray that you be with us this afternoon, all the different things that are going on. Give us opportunities to grow us in this area. Wake us up. 
your precious name.